0: You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 17th of June. Anthony Davis is a Laker. The Pelicans are loaded with talent. The Jazz options are becoming more clear in free agency. The draft comes on Thursday. We'll look at some names for that and revisit the Mike Conley aspect of things. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and a look behind the curtains. It's all On Locked on Jazz. Hope you're doing great. You can get this podcast on any of your podcast providers, Apple, Google, Himalaya, Stitcher, Spotify, and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Jazz. Well, the mammoth news came across that Anthony Davis is a Laker and there's great coverage at Locked on Pelicans and Locked on Lakers, as well as Locked on NBA Today is a crossover program. Uh, for you so make sure you go grab that if you'd like to uh, and then the mock draft continues this week as well so lots of different things taking place across the NBA side of the network plus all the draft coverage uh, let me just zero in first on the jazz aspect of things because that's why you're tuning into me uh, first of all the West is wide open with the injuries to Durant and Clay Thompson The West is wide open, and I think this is the first impactful move because of that. I'm not convinced this makes the Lakers the odds-on favorite, but there is a third shoe to drop, whether it's Kawhi, Kyrie, or Kemba, and that will in all likelihood, I think, make them the favorite. Anthony Davis quite frankly, is the perfect complement to an aging LeBron James. He's a top-five player in the NBA. Uh, while his team has never gotten past the second round of the playoffs on his own, he's not doing it on his own anymore. Um, there's a lot of aspects to him where he's going to have to become a winner and do the little things that winning does. He doesn't do that. Um, that's not kind of in his makeup as of this point as a player. That's always been my complaint about him is that for a player that's as good As he is, there should be more things that he does, Um, and he doesn't do all those things, but he's truly brilliant. Truly, truly brilliant, one of the great players in the game. So the Lakers make the first move. I mean, right now, if you're ranking the Western Conference, you probably, assuming the Lakers are going to grab a third piece, put them on top, put Houston at two, and put the gaggle of us at three. Uh, And I'm not even sure if I'm keeping Houston at two. Chris Paul's aging. The obvious dysfunction going on in that organization. Tim McMahon wrote a huge piece today on ESPN that's really well done. And they've got really considerable issues. So it's all, I mean, it could be nuts. Right now, it feels as though subtle moves or not so subtle moves change the landscape. So obviously Anthony Davis, not subtle. If the Jazz can go get Mike Conley, Tobias Harris, something like that, not subtle. Uh, But there are some other ones you wonder if Portland, Denver kind of add a little bit here and there, uh, what might take place. So from a Jazz standpoint, on this deal, what I think we have is a wide open Western Conference. The Lakers have made the first move, and now we begin to know where the pieces are going to go. Kemba Walker was a player we talked about an awful lot early on for the Utah Jazz. I think the way it feels to me right now that Kemba is probably not a p- available play. He's e- The heaviest rumor I hear is that he's the one going to the Lakers. That's non-media, inside NBA, that's the talk, is that Kemba's going to the Lakers. Media, there's Kyrie and there's Kawhi and there's Kemba being talked about. But uh, inside the media circles, it's Kemba. Or inside the NBA circles, it's Kemba. If if Kemba doesn't go to the Lakers, then I think he ends up with either the Knicks or he takes his deal in in Charlotte. Now, the only wild card there is if Charlotte actually pulls the deal, doesn't give it to him, and he somehow decides the Knicks aren't the spot, then I guess Utah or someone else can come back into play. But even then... I think there's a possibility he joins the Clippers with Kawhi if Kawhi actually ends up there. So Kemba, to me, is feeling like less and less of a possibility uh, for the Utah Jazz. And that's why, uh, in today's show, I want to revisit Mike Conley a little bit. I want to look at D'Angelo Russell, who feels like a little bit more and more of a possibility, particularly when you start to play this. If Kemba goes to the Lakers, Kyrie's going to the Nets, and then D'Angelo Russell is available... And I don't know what his landing spot is. And he's available as a restricted free agent, though unlikely the Nets are going to answer or follow and sign him, but it's still it's still time. It's still, there's a little bit of a prohibitive element of being a restricted free agent. Uh, Kawhi, nobody's really sure. It doesn't feel like he's going back to Toronto. It feels like he went there, did his job, got what he wanted, and is moving on. And that's where... You know, Kyrie to the Lakers, Kemba and Kawhi to the Clippers, and suddenly the West landscape is tough again. And now you've got the Lakers and Clippers as probably the odds-on favorite, and the question is, what can the Jazz do um, to match that, if anything at all? All right, so that's where I feel like the landscape is after this deal. What becomes interesting from a Jazz standpoint as well is what's going to happen with Jimmy Butler, So Jimmy Butler, to me, right now, is like the fourth choice for the Lakers. If for some reason Kawhi goes to the Clippers, Kyrie goes to Brooklyn, Kemba stays in Charlotte, then I think Jimmy Butler ends up with the Lakers as their third piece. At which point Tobias Harris stays in Philadelphia. But I'm still holding out that if Jimmy Butler re-signs in Philadelphia... Tobias Harris is gone and leaving Philadelphia. And then I think the Jazz are in play on that. I think Dallas is in play. I think Brooklyn's in play. Um, I think there's a lot of other people in play, but I think the Jazz are in play. It's sounding to me from around the league that the Jazz are portrayed differently than they've been portrayed in years past, that players are willing to consider coming to Utah, and that because of what Steve Starks and Gail Miller and the Miller family have built with Dennis Lindsay, Quinn Snyder, and the crew, and the, and the way they're playing. Not, quite frankly, so much a transformation of the city, but just where the basketball program is. Um, and what they've built is opening up that door a little bit more than uh, possibly they have in the past, and that they, the Jazz should be able to get some meetings. Now, getting meetings and getting the, being the one – are two totally different things. And truthfully, I've always had great doubts we can be the one, but we'll see. Being the one is almost, is really, you know, incredibly difficult to get that sign. But if you have Kemba goes to the Lakers, Kyrie goes to the Nets, Kawhi goes to the Clippers, Jimmy Butler stays in Philly, does Tobias Harris move into play? Um... And that's, at least what I think, the landscape of things right now. Uh, quick thought on the Pelicans. They got a lot of pieces. Uh, the Lonzo Ball-Drew Holiday backcourt seems to be pretty fabulous defensively. I don't know how good Ball is. Um, health and talent are two big questions there. Brandon Ingram is only 22. I don't ever didn't ever think he'd fill out, so I've never been a big Brandon Ingram guy, and I wish he would play better without the ball. He seems to need the ball. Hart's a good rotation player. The fourth pick of the draft this year is in uh, being discussed as in a three-player draft. Up to yesterday, everything was called a three-player draft, so I don't know why that suddenly changed. The picks, uh, the picks our double draft in 2022 and 2024 might be the two most valuable pieces that exist. I just got an email. That's what that sound was you just heard. And it said, can you address this on Locked on Jazz? I have no idea what that question is, but maybe whatever Taylor just emailed me, we will address. But we will also revisit Mike Conley when we continue. My good friends over at Iron Gate Global, Spencer Nelson and the crew, they've been with us for a while. um, And they run a financial firm that, It's really interesting. Does some things differently than other people. And Spencer is going to tell you about the crew that he has over there at Iron Gate Global Advisors. I'd like to introduce you to Iron Gate Global Advisors, financial group out of Salt Lake City. I found out about them from Spencer Nelson, former Utah State Aggie, great basketball player. And beyond his jump shot, he's got an MBA. He's worked in private equity. He's got experience working in Wall Street, accounting and financing degrees. And he's now working with Iron Gate Financial, and here's why. As I evaluated my options and looked at different firms, it became clear to me that the real question I needed to ask was, who would I trust managing my portfolio? And as I got to know Brett and I got to know Brian, I was able to see how they differentiate themselves from so many other wealth management firms and the real value that they create, and it was clear to me that I wanted to work with them. Brian's a long-term financial expert. who has been in the business forever. has got an options background. They have a strategy, a direction, and a process. And most importantly, as a small firm, they understand your journey. If you'd like to find out more about Iron Gate, give Spencer a call at 888-591-0334. That's 888-591-0334. Or email him at spencer at igga.com. Anytime we're talking investing. Understand that past performance isn't indicative of future results. Also, options may not be for everyone. They have different risks. Make sure you consult a professional before doing anything with them. Do your due diligence. Taylor wants me to address. Anthony Davis has all the tools, but I've never been afraid. He's an, With he, he and an aging LeBron, whatever two got, they're bringing in don't strike fear. Uh, okay. Uh, that is Jazz optimism as fine finest. It should strike some fear. He's really good. He's really good. He has not been a champion. Um, and he has not been um, done all the things you need to do to win. But he has, um, yeah, he's good. I'd, I'd be fearful. All right, let's read. Mike Conley was the in guy on, on the draft time. We all wanted him really badly, and then we didn't get him, and I feel like we psychologically convinced ourselves that, well, maybe we didn't totally need Mike Conley, and then we lost in the playoffs, and we just, it doesn't feel like that's ever regained the juice. Um, so, the Jazz to trade for Mike Conley, they can do it in the cap space. With Jonas Valanciunas opting out, they could actually give them favors. Um, there's actually some weird iterations where I actually was trying to figure it out the other day. Is is there any way the jazz could actually trade for Conley and keep favors if they, you know, and I, it's, there's actually a minor possibility of it, but it seems really unlikely. And I, I'm not always great with the cap stuff, but, um, some sign and trades and some other aspects and some weird things. It's actually, it's almost impossible to get all the money there. Uh, But with cap space, maybe you can do some things or favor, you know, so it seems unlikely. So it's in all likelihood, Mike Conley is costing you Derek favors and obviously costing you Ricky Rubio. And so let's let's revisit who Mike Conley is. Uh, He will turn 32 years old by opening day. That's that's the biggest concern of anything that's out there is that he's he's 32 years old. Um, He is not showing a tremendous... It's hard to tell on Mike Conley of whether there is regression taking place or not because the 2016-17 season that he had um, was a little bit of an outlier and so outstanding. 21 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists a game. And so when you're trying to compare him to that... It looks like there is considerable slippage from sixteen seventeen to eighteen nineteen, except for the fact that his and then you think the aging's kicking in, except for the fact that that sixteen seventeen was kind of his peak season compared to his career numbers. Last year he shot virtually the same percentage, little about three percentage points below, or excuse me, one percentage point below, and about one percentage three point shooting below, but. The other aging things you would expect to see: uh, his free throws per thirty-six minutes was up, his steals per thirty-six minutes were up. Uh, so there's not clear signs as of right now. Uh, the other one that I always look at is rim finishing is always a sign to me that it's um, that you're aging. He was at fifty-five percent this year. His outlier year was at sixty-one. Before that, he was at fifty-five and fifty-eight. So that's a little. There's a little inkling there. Um, and then how often he goes to the rim, he was at 19%, which is, he was at 20%. Now, this one gets a little nerve-wracking. So, Mike Conley, in, when he was 25, took 32% of his shots at the rim, at 26, 27%, at 27, 28%, at 28, 26%, and then at 30, went to 25, and then last, excuse me, 29, his full year, went to 20 and then this last year went to 19, so that is a little bit sign that Mike Conley is aging. So that's a legitimate concern, and maybe that's why it's cool to Jets. On the other end, here is a bona fide three point shooter or bona fide player, 38 percent three point shooter. Um, could has a leadership element that this team is needs. At least in my opinion, there's still there's a lot of pressure on our young guys. And I think having, you know, a little bit being relieved off of Rudy and off of Donovan still got to be their team. But I think that Mike Conley could show them some leadership elements um, are, I think, important. He uh, from a just pure, you know, basketball shooting standpoint is a. Uh, he's a good shooter. Like his catch and shoot was 40% last year. His off the bounce was 34%. So that's a considerable upgrade uh, for the Jazz. And the thing that makes me most interesting about Mike Conley is who he's played with in his career. He has never played with a dynamic wing in any way, shape, or form. Um, to me, that's that's pretty interesting. He has played with the Tony Allens and the Tayshawn Princes. He's never had a Donovan Mitchell. Last year, he ran 2,200 pick and rolls, just a ton. Was it about one point per pick and roll, which is great. He ran them from anywhere from Gasol to Joachim Noah to Jonas Valanciunas. And that's, you know, he was the cornerstone of the offense. He is now, if he comes, if the Jazz were to go get him, they have a bona fide guy to run the offense but at the same time that tells you I mean two three years two years ago when he played a full season he ran 2800 pick and rolls this is not a guy who's played off the ball at all so he has not been one who's ever had the ability to have Donovan or someone make a play for him kick to the wing let him play with advantage and get downhill that's a part of his game that simply just he he's never had the opportunity to play with and to me, that's maybe the most interesting aspect of Mike Conley. Now, is, how, how is he on that at 32 years old is a super legitimate question. And probably, um, and probably the question that needs to be asked. And so, you know, I do think if I'm the Jazz and I'm looking at this, I've talked about this a lot, that D'Angelo Russell makes me super nervous. Um, Just the way he plays, a bunch of things he does are very hard to be efficient. I like my positive players. But if I suddenly am confronted with a 31 million Michael Conley at 32 years old or a less than max D'Angelo Russell at 23, now that gets interesting. Russell last year... Is a, he's a shot maker. He averaged 21 points, four rebounds, seven assists. The thing that is nerve-wracking to me is he only takes 14% of his shots at the rim. We just talked about how Conley went from 32 to 19. D'Angelo Russell just doesn't go to the rim. And not only does he not go, because he doesn't go to the rim, he doesn't go to the free throw line. His his free throws per 36 minutes are, are 3.0. He goes to the free throw line Line at at an alarmingly low rate in my comfort level. Um, And because of those two things, it becomes stunningly difficult for him to be an efficient offensive player. But he's a big-time bucket getter with great vision. He's not an elite athlete at all. Conley's far, probably, at 32 years old, might actually be a better athlete than D'Angelo Russell in some ways. But Russell also, 41% assist rate. I mean, this is one of the great passers in the game who's also being able to use, and we saw that out of college. I love D'Angelo Russell out of college. When you start to compare kind of where Conley and Russell are as guards and some of these numbers to the other point guards in the league, Conley's points gained was point four four. He goes to the free throw line. Still, 12.5% of his possessions. The only point guards that go to the free throw line more that are kind of top level, James Harden at 14% of his possessions, Spencer Dinwiddie at 14% of his possessions, Ben Simmons at 13, and then you really get to Mike Conley um, at 12.5% of his possessions. So despite that drop, Mike, Alex Caruso at 11.6, Mike Conley goes to the line a tremendous, tremendous amount. Still, now when he loses that, which eventually happened, or maybe that's just being crafty, and that's how he's going to be able to survive. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt on the other end. Um, It's always been the key for Ricky, too, is if Ricky goes to the line, what is he able to do? D'Angelo Russell, who... uh, Let me pull up his numbers. D'Angelo, where are you, D'Angelo Russell? Um... Ricky Rubio's points gained last year was minus one. He went to the line about 10% of his possessions just to compare that. D'Angelo Russell's points gained was a minus 1.1. He goes to the free throw line 4.8% of the time. So that's the same as Justin Holliday in Memphis who doesn't go to the line. Um, Guys that go to the line 4 percentage of the time, uh, it is really hard to be efficient. Um, Dame Lillard goes to the free, or no, that's Danny Green. Dame Lillard goes 11.5%. D'Angelo Russell goes 4%. Um, it is, you cannot find Bryn Forbes, who shot 43% from three, goes to the line about that much and is efficient. Seth Curry it goes to line about that much and is efficient because he shoots forty-five percent from three. Clay Thompson goes to the line about the same amount D'Angelo Russell does, shot forty percent from three. So you really to be efficient and have that few attempts to the free throw line, that's my that's my concern. But that's a bucket getter, like so and that's a young bucket getter who's still got a chance to evolve, whose timetable matches that of the Jazz and can do a lot of of things in that regard. Um, Donovan is a negative uh, Pack, or points game player, too, um, and so you end up with two high-volume, points game players there that you're hoping evolve together, relieve each other's burden, and each get more efficient. Donovan was minus 1.0. Donovan goes to the line 9.1% of his possessions, shoots 27% of them his threes. D'Angelo shoots 34% of his shots as threes, so D'Angelo at least takes more threes. Uh, but those two, I think, have to be revisited and talked about, and so I thought we should do that and kind of come back to to the value. I mean, the high value on Conley is hasn't played with those kind of players, great leadership, 31 years old, high value on Russell, still has an upside, major breakthrough year last year, bucket getter at the highest of levels, Um, averaging 21 points a game last year, former number two pick, elite level talent, Uh, and great vision on the floor. So those are the two, um, those are the two kind of, possibilities if Kemba's off the board a little bit. And then when you slip from there, I I don't know what the next option is. Frankly, Ricky becomes as good as any of the next options you're talking about uh, for the Jazz. And the question is then, are you going into some other direction? Today's show is brought to you in part by Murdoch Chevy. Blake and the crew are doing just great work over at Murdoch Chevy. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, The Blazer is back. That fires people up. You're hearing a lot of buzz around that around town. Uh, As well, special deals in the month of June for what's taking place with uh, Murdoch Chevy. The Equinox, you can take $6,500 off on the Equinox. Uh, The Silverado Crew Cab All-Star Edition has 0% APR for 72 months. And longest days of the year, get the lowest prices at Murdoch, Um, so that should be great. So check it out. Those are both fabulous deals. That Equinox I drove for a while, really, really liked it. How smooth it was, quiet, uh, how well kind of, uh, it was all put together. The, the touchscreen was great. Like it just kind of showed me that everything was convenient and nice about the Equinox. The Silverado is just the most posh truck imaginable. Check it out. It's Murdoch Chevy at, Woods Cross out in Logan as well. Tyson's over Woods Cross. Make sure you say hi uh, to the crew. It is Murdoch Chevy in Woods Cross and in Logan. Jeremy Wu has his new mock draft out. And Jeremy did a great job on our Locked on NBA podcast. Um, So check it out. Locked on NBA mock draft. Uh, My pick is up today. I have many a trade offer on the table. According to Wu's draft, the players going right before the Jazz, Kevin Porter at 20, a lot of question marks about his background and things of that nature, off-court issues. Um, we'll see whether or not um, that's something the Jazz. Romeo Langford, is at 21. I've actually heard some people have him off the board for various reasons. Cameron Johnson, 22. That would be an interesting uh, name for the Jazz, I think, if that – were to be a possibility if Cameron Johnson were to be there. He's the North Carolina older player, 23 years old, can really shoot it. Should be ready to go right now. Another um, part um, is Bulba gets mentioned again. This was also the 23rd pick mentioned uh, on the ESPN mock draft. Um, Bull did a 30-minute workout the other day against um, no one. I think this is as much someone putting in ball ball because they got to put him somewhere and assuming the jazz trade the pick. Um, I'm not entirely sure that this is a pick that makes sense. My t- Matisse. Thibel is the senior out of Washington shooting guard. Um, everyone thinks he has a promise somewhere in the twenties. Uh, we'll see what that is. Here's some, na- then it, we start getting some names. I actually think are possibilities. Um, interesting is, uh, Kabangali, the Florida State center. He'll turn 22 this summer, but he's got a lot of different skills. Probably is going to be a backup center if that's actually what the Jazz kind of are looking for. At some point, we need somebody, if we don't think Tony Bradley can do it, who can just play backup center to Rudy, and maybe that's what you use this draft for is to find this. Um, There were some knee questions on Gali, and frankly, if that's true, I would – um, and they're not terrible, I'd still draft him. You're looking for a guy that you can plug in and play and play 15, 20 minutes. If he turns out to be great, you're going to end up moving him anyway um, because you have Rudy. Ty Jerome is a really interesting name floating around 26. The kid can play. Um, not These aren't, again, we're not talking about someone who's going to be high-level um, starters, but I think the feeling is that Ty Jerome can shoot it well enough. He can play. I don't know what you do about the fact that there's a duplication in position to Grayson Allen in that regard. Uh, The one thing I get worried about on both these guys we've just mentioned is when you're drafting in the 20s, if you can find a player that can play multiple positions, I think you have a better chance of getting them on the floor more quickly, like Tony Bradley just can't get time because he's only got one position he can play, which is center and it's got to be he's either got to be that Epe Udo, Derek favors, or Rudy gobert and so we i mean we know that he was certainly raw, and when he came, this wasn't a plan, but I think that's a little bit of you have to get careful of that so Bruno Fernando's an interesting player um He's kind of bounced all around. He was at Maryland. Um, Again, probably productive backup. Um, Doesn't have a huge ceiling, of anything. He's been talked about as high as 17. Um, But here's another guy. But again, the same thing on him. He probably only has one vehicle by which he gets on the floor. Now, the flip side of that might be, he's got to be able to play, is Casey Akpala out of Stanford, who's this kind of long athletic wing and maybe has multiple ways to play. And then Grant Williams is an interesting player who, out of Tennessee, I watch him and don't see him as an NBA player when I watch his college game. But the more you talk to people, the more I'm hearing that, He's a really smart player. He understands the game. He'll be able to evolve. Well, if he's able to evolve, he probably can play some power forward. He probably can play some small five. He can play some P.J. Tucker type stuff. And so maybe he's a player that can sneak on the floor in other ways. And then Carson Edwards, maybe in the way that Fred Van Vliet has been able to find his way on the floor in multiple manners, both as a point guard and as a scoring two, um, could be a possibility Uh, As well, I haven't seen him in a ton of first rounds, but it does feel as though and and frankly from about 40 to 23 feels interchangeable a little bit. Like if you're drafting, you know, Dylan Windler, the small forward out of Belmont, I'm not totally sold right now um, that that's a great deal different than drafting the kid out of Auburn. Um, So I'm not sure, you know, you just hear on almost all these guys. They could go twenty. They could go thirty. The kid out of Auburn's interesting. He's coming off an ACL, um, so that's a value pick. If you're, you know, if you think that there's, you're trying to find something um, that can play out. That worked for Karis LeVert a little bit. It wasn't an ACL, but it was a foot injury that couldn't work out. My guy Admiral Sch- Schofield is in there, floating around forties um, on the latest mock draft. Um, so it's. I think there's a lot of interchangeable parts there. We'll see what the Jazz. Um, What the Jazz do? Jeremy Wu will join us on Locked on Jazz this week and just break down every NBA player. I'll have that and an interview for you uh, with where the draft stands with Jeremy and then Kevin Pelton, hopefully, um, as well, coming your direction. This has been Locked on Jazz. Go to Locked on NBA. Two great shows today for you, plus Locked on Pelicans and Locked on Lakers have the local experts on the biggest stories. Hope you're good. Thanks very much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz today.